Welcome to Insights for Believers audio podcast. We believe the message you are about to receive from the Word of God today will ignite your faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ and His love for you. So I'm going to talk about fasting. A lot of us already know what fasting is. Uh, abstaining from, well, the general knowledge is uh, abstinence from food. But before now, like God has been teaching me a lot of things about fasting. There are so many things like prior to this time, like I always think, okay, when we talk about fasting, it's just I'm going to skip breakfast, skip lunch and dinner. And, and doing that for me, like fasting wasn't, it's not, it's not hard <laughs> because I've just assumed that you're just skipping food. But just recently, last year, two years ago, the Lord started teaching me different things about fasting. Now, fasting is not just abstinence from food. Because that's the things we've been taught in the past. Like, okay, when we talk about fasting, you're not eating, you're not. We have um, 40 days fast, 50 days, 100 days. So it's, it's almost part of our Christian discipline. But some of us have been doing this exercise the wrong way because we're not getting benefits from it. We fast 100 days. And at the end of the 100 days, that's like one third of the year. You don't still have anything to show for, okay. This is what I've gotten from being in the presence of God. And the Lord started changing my mind and teaching me certain things about fasting. So what I'll just, I'll share some of the things I've learned in recent years with us about, about fasting. So I said, fasting is not just abstaining from food. It's abstaining from, some, from something we enjoy in order to focus attention on God. So it could be abstaining from food, abstaining from from TV, abstaining from social media, abstaining from other people so you can focus your attention on God. So anything you enjoy, anything that gives you pleasure, anything that some people have hobbies, they'll say it's maybe golfing, playing video games, anything that you personally enjoy that benefits your body, that benefits your body. Abstaining from that thing to focus on God is fasting. So it's not just food. So most of us, we've conquered that. Some of us, not most of us, have conquered that part of fasting from food. But some of us can't even fast from our phone. We can't put our phone off for 24 hours. So those are the things we want to look at. So abstaining from certain things to focus our attention on God. So he's taking out something, I'm replacing it with something. You're taking out something. So it's not just taking, if you're saying fasting, okay, you're not eating food or you're not going to be on social media. And that's it. But if you're not going to be on social media, what will you be doing? So I think that's the essence of it. It's taking out something. It says, the Bible says, God takes out the whole so that you may replace it with new. And that's what Swastin is about. Taking out something so that you can replace it with something the Lord has told you to do or something you think you ought to do in this season. And the text I want us to look at for this is um, Nehemiah chapter um, 9 from, from verse 9. I mean, chapter 9 from verse 1 to 15. It's a long read. And I encourage us to actually read the whole of the book of Nehemiah. There's 12 chapters in that book. It will give us better understanding of what this is about. Nehemiah, Ezra, and Esther. Those three books will give us a very sound understanding of um, fasting, how it is done. But I will just read from this. But to give us um, a background on this, Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the temple. He was serving in Persia. He was the king's cupbearer. So the Lord placed it upon his hand for him to go back to to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. I'm just going to read from, from verse 1 to 15. It says, on October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in bowl and speckled dust on their heads. 
those of Israelite descendants separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in the place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord their God. The Levites, Jeshua, Bania, Kadmia, Shebania, Boni, Sheribiah, Bani, and Kenaniah stood on the stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord their God with loud voices. Then the leaders of the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmia, Bania, Hashibnia, all this Nyanya, Sheribia, Odia, Shebania, and Pithania called out to the people, stand up and praise the Lord your God for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Then they prayed. So this is the prayer they prayed. May your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. May you, you alone are the Lord. You made the, the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them and all the angels of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and birthed him from Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham when he had proved himself faithful and he made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Gigashites. And you have done what you promised, for you are always true to your word. You are always true to your word. You saw the mystery of our ancestors in Egypt and you heard their cries from beside the Red Sea. You displayed miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, his officials, and all the people, for you knew how arrogantly they were treating, treating our ancestors. You have a glorious reputation that has never been forgotten. You divided the sea for your people so they could walk through on dry land, and then you hurled their enemies into the depths of the sea. They sank like stones beneath the mighty waters. You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so that they could find their way. You came down at Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instructions that were just, and decrees and commands that were good. You instructed them concerning Holy Sabbath, and you commanded them through Moses, your servant, to obey all your commands and decrees and instructions. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry, and water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possessions of the land, you had son to give them. I'll just stop there. So this is them praising God. But one thing I want you to notice from verse 1 to verse 4, it says what? I reverse. It says those of the Israel descendants, they separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing for how long? Three hours. I think King James Bible says for a third of the day. Three hours while the book of the Lord, their God, was read to them. They were not fasting when they were busy. They didn't separate themselves. They didn't call themselves onto prayer when they, okay, I'll be working today. And I know today is my busiest day of the week. So I'm going to fast today when I know that I won't have time to think about food or think about God either. <laughs> That's not what they were doing. They, were, they had three good hours to confess their sins. Since they read, while the book of the Lord, their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped God there and worshiped the Lord their God. So this worship there is, is not just singing solemn song. If you read the rest of this chapter, it's calling to remembrance who God is. History, your history with God. And that's something I hold dear to me. If, if you don't have a testament, you don't have a record of what God has done for you, it's hard to praise God. 
you might be praying, Lord, I thank you. You are Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah. We don't even know what those things mean. They don't make sense to us. But when you say, you are the Lord that provides for me, maybe you are the one Lord that gave me admission, or you are the one that gave me visa. You are the Lord that gave me a child. You are the, those are testimonies. They're as good as saying it's Jehovah Jireh. They're as good as saying it's Jehovah Shammah, even though they are not sounding Hebrew or Greek. But the fact that you can relate these things to what God is doing in your life, and that's what they said. When they started praising God, when they started worshiping God, they called to remembrance. They started from when God called their forefathers because everything about Israel started with Abraham. And that's where they started this year testimony from. He said, you called our father, you changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. They started there. And all of those things, you gave him a, a name, you gave him a son that is through this son, is, um, he will be blessed, he'll be called the father of nation. They started there. You led us into Egypt, you brought us out. They were recalling all the things God has done, testimonies of the dealings of God. And you remember something, you read through the book of Genesis, Exodus, the one thing God kept telling them, create a memorial. When they're going to pass through the Red Sea, God told them, I mean, the, the river Jordan, told them, take 12 stones out of this river as a memorial. So that when your children ask you, what are these stones for? So you can tell them. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. When we call ourselves and we separate ourselves through fasting, it's because we are creating memorials, we are creating testimony. And encounter with God that when we look back, we can say, this is what God has done for me. In this year, I prayed concerning, I prayed for admission, or I prayed for promotion, or I prayed for a new job, I prayed for a change of career, or I prayed for something. You have a testimony, and that's, that's the record, that's true worship. True worship is, is the dealings of God. It might be small, it might be as little as I came out and I didn't miss my boss, or I, I was able to, like, or I was looking for a house to rent. God arranged people to, to help me find a place. It might be as small as that, but have a place, a record. And that's one thing that they were reading. So they read the book of the Lord out for three hours. What do you think they were reading? Genesis or Exodus or Revelation? They were reading the dealings of God. That's what they were reading. They were calling to remembrance all the things God have done to them. If you read this book, all that, because how would they, if, if, if they don't have a record of all the things, some of them were not born when, when they crossed the Red Sea or when they were in Egypt. But because they have a record of all of these dealings of God in their lives, they're able to pick it up and read it to themselves. And okay, this is where we are coming from. This is where we are right now. And this is what you have said to us. This is where we are going. And that's one thing fasting helps us to do. So when we fast, like I said earlier, some of us, we just abstain from food. We abstain from, um, from certain things, but we are not feeling that time with what we're supposed to be doing. And from this story, I'll just summarize this. They spent some time in the word. So whatever fasting we are doing, and we are not spending time in the word, spending time confessing our shortcomings or worshiping God or recalling God's dealings with us, it's just um, diet exercise. You're just trying to watch your weight. Whatever you are doing, you're fasting, and you, are, you don't have time to focus your attention, your energy on God, is um, diet exercise. That's the best. You get physical results, which is good, but you are not going to be connected to God in any way. So, so like I said, so don't, don't put, don't choose um, your fasting for those that fast weekly. Some people fast weekly or monthly. Don't put it on the day that you are busiest. That I know that, okay, at least I don't have, like, even, because normally when you're busy at work, you don't even remember to eat. So if that's the day you're fasting, you're just fooling yourself. So don't put your fast on the day you will not have time to focus your attention on God. Don't put your fast on that. 
and it's put another thing. So say fasting that gets results does not happen in isolation. So like this story we just read, they didn't just fast like oh they were abstaining for everybody was sitting in their house and they're just waiting for six o'clock. No, that's not what they were doing. They were not waiting. They're not. They said they they, they separated themselves onto what they were worshiping, confessing their sin. Three hours they read the word of the Lord. Another three hours they confessed. Another three hours. They, they looked at the dealings of God, recalling God's faithfulness to them. So these people spent a chunk of the day focusing on God. They spent the chunk of the day focusing their attention and their energy on God. So any fast we do in isolation, we're just abstaining from food or abstaining from TV or abstaining from social media or whatever it is you're fasting from, and you're not doing it with these other things. Yes, so you're taking out something to be able to have something. You're not doing this other thing. Then you're just wasting your time. We read concerning the hour. Let's just read Acts chapter 13. What the apostles they did. Acts um, chapter 13, verse 2 to 3. Since one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, remember the story we just read in Amen? Um, they worshiped the God. So they worshiped God while they fasted. So it's not just an Old Testament thing, this is a New Testament example for us. Too. They fasted and worshiped the Lord. Since one day, uh, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting, they fasted first, the Holy Ghost spoke. Then they did what? More fasting and praying. The men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So did they say they were just fasting? They worshiped as they were fasting. So you're doing, you're not just doing fasting in isolation. You're not just abstaining from food or abstaining from things, or you're doing it with other things, worshiping. Another scripture we're going to read it now. Fasting in itself is actually worship. We know there are other ways in our giving. We, we worship God through giving. We worship God through the life we live. By fasting, we also, we are also worshiping God. So Luke chapter 2, verse 30, 36 to 38. Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 38. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phenua from the tribe of Asher, and she was very good. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Worship, fasting, and prayer. So those are things that we have to, these are three things that have been consistent in all of the scriptures we've read so far. Worship, praying, and fasting. Fasting, fasting by itself is a diet exercise. Fasting has to be done with other things. Worship the word. Fasting without a purpose and a plan is as good as diet exercise. If, if I know in the past, personally for me, I've like from after I became a believer in high school, I had a day of the week I always fast. I just fast because there was or they were taught as young believers that oh, fast to grow yourself spiritually. And I just picked a day that I fast every. I mean, a day in the week that I fast, and I've been doing that sometimes. Is when you want to break the fast at six o'clock, then you just remember to say one quick prayer before you eat. So just do it as, as an exercise, but without a focus, without a plan, without a purpose. If you're fasting without a vision, without a purpose, you're wasting your time. 
So we have to have a clear vision. If you're fasting weekly or if it's monthly, but is it for spiritual growth? Is it because you want to know God? Is it for an encounter? Is it for your children? Is it for your career? But you have to have something in mind you're fasting for. Because if you just fast without um, anything, how would you know God has done it? If there's nothing you're believing God for while you're fasting, how would you know when the when answers come? You won't know. So that's why we have to fast with a purpose and a plan. And since the purpose, your reason for fasting could be for consecration, for guidance, for wisdom to intercede on behalf of others. Whatever it is, or God has called you to fast, maybe God is just telling you, okay, separate yourself unto me. Maybe I want to reveal certain things to separate you. So what is this? What is it that you're trying to do? But you have to have a focus. And I said for plan, what are your replacement activities? What are the things you want to replace? Those things that you, you if you're, let me say, if it's not food, you're fasting away from, you're fasting away from social media. Those times you have the inclination to, to want to go to Facebook. Or what are the things you're going to, if your mind goes there, what are your distraction? Um, I won't even call it distraction. What are the things you're going to replace those activities with? If you don't have those things in mind, you find out that you would fail. Because let's say you're fasting for three days now. The first day you, you're able to overcome. What happened the next day? So the tendency to go back to the things you're fasting away from is very high. So you have to have a plan in place before you begin that fast. Okay, what am I going to replace this thing from? So if it's you're fasting away from social media, and like, okay, instead of maybe normally you spend probably one hour on social media per, per day. And it's okay, Lord, Instead of spending this one hour on my um, my social media, I'm going to break it into four segments, 25 minutes each day. That I'm just going to maybe read my Bible for the first 25 minutes. It can be 25 minutes in the morning, 25, 25 minutes in the afternoon, 25 minutes in the evening, and 25 minutes midnight. Okay, I'm going to, one, I'm going to speak in tongues for that hour, or I'm going to pray all for that one hour. However, God, we have you do it. But you have to have something you're replacing means with. How would you connect with God for the duration of the fast? Like, what are the things you want to do? Like, do you have a place where you can connect with God? That, because the essence of this is so that we can focus, like I said, focus our attention on God. If you don't have a plan to do this, then you will not get the maximum benefits from this fast. Like I said, the, the story we just read, the story of Anna, the prophetess, she was in the temple. What was she praying for? So that she would see the Savior, the Messiah. And that's what she did until she was 84. So if you read further in the story, she came, it wasn't a coincidence that she walked into the temple and nobody knew that. It's not like, oh, they are giving a sign that, oh, a child is going to come here and it's going to be Jesus. That's the child that, like Jesus told um, John the Baptist, in his case, the person you baptize and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, that is the Savior. But it did, the Lord didn't tell her that when you are in the temple, the child that the mother will carry and so many people will be following will be Jesus. She wasn't told that, so she had to watch out. She had to be in the temple. In, in that place of, of, of preparedness, that, okay, when this person comes, I'll be able to identify. How, how did she know? Because she's been praying for this person. She's been praying that she would see the Savior. And when the Savior came, something within her testified that, okay, that's the person you've been waiting for. And that's what fasting does for us. It heightens our connectedness to God. It heightens things that... God might not have told you specifically that it's going to happen because you are in tune with God. God can, if you read the story of Samuel when, when he was going to anoint the first king, 
God spoke to his ears that somebody, when Saul was looking for his sheep, he told him that somebody is going to come here by this time tomorrow. And that's the person I want you to anoint. So when, when, when Saul came, it wasn't difficult. Somebody didn't have to ask him, oh, did you lose your sheep? Um, like he wasn't trying to cross check what, that, what God has told him with what is wrong. But when, when Saul told him, okay, are you the seer? Before he, told, he said, I know, just go ahead, go on ahead of me. And that's what fasting does. It, it connects the dots for us in the spirit. Right? It connects the dots for us. Certain things that some people will tell you that when, when, when someone spoke to me, or is it something bears witness with my spirit? That's what fasting does. It, it gives you this very high sense of, your heightened sense of sensitivity that you are able to pick things up in the realm of the spirit. So let me just move fast. I said, why do we fast? Like benefits of fasting. Because some people might think ah, fasting ah, is, is a lot of, uh, is a lot of, ah, to miss breakfast, to miss lunch, ah, is a lot of work. And when, when we see, if, if, we, if the problem is missing certain things, like I said, without replacing it, if you're not thinking of what you would enjoy by missing certain things, then you think it's a problem. Or if you think, okay, I'm, I'm taking something away because I'm having something good. I'm having something valuable. Then you don't see fasting as a burden. You see it as something to you look forward to it. So what are the benefits of fasting? I said fasting helps us to get our edge back. <clears throat> like I was saying, like the prophet is talking about um, Anna. It gives you sharp sense in it. Like your spiritual senses are, are like on point. On point. That's one thing fasting does. Let's just read um, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10. Because there are so many things we are doing in our own path. A lot of things we are struggling because we don't know. We are just trying. Okay, am I supposed to do, am I supposed to change career? I was talking to a friend recently and she was um, telling me about someone that read economics. They just moved to Canada and just about two or three months ago and she's thinking of going to study nursing. So I was, she heard um, nursing pays a lot. I'm like, you can't, you, can't, you can't make that type of career change because it pays a lot. And that's why I keep saying that the, the fact that we are Christian gives, and we have the Holy Spirit in us, that's our biggest advantage. We don't just do things because, ah, everybody's doing business analysts, ah, data scientists, they are the one they are looking for everywhere. Better go and do, that's not what, we are not doing things based on what is, we don't look at the job market to pick our careers. We don't look at the forecast. That's not how we live our lives. And that's one thing fasting does. It happens to separate our lives, I mean, separate ourselves to hear what God is telling us. You might be doing, you might be doing accounting or doing admin work, but if that's where God wants you to be, you might get, you might get paid as much as someone that is doing business analyst. Or even if you're not getting paid as much, you might get a fulfillment that is greater than monetary, that you can value in terms of money. And that's what you are trying to look at. We are not just measuring our lives in what we have material things or inflame or the things that we can measure physically. I'll just read uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10. It says using dull acts requires great strength. So sharpen the blade as the true value that the value of wisdom what am I reading? Ecclesiastes should I read it for you? Yes I think this version this is New King James yeah. it says if the axe is dull yeah and one does not sharpen the edge then he must use more strength. Yeah. But wisdom brings success. Hallelujah. So that's what I'm looking for. This one has upside down translation. 
So the axe, if the axe is dull, you have to use more strength. And that's what we are saying. Even if you're supposed to change career, if that's the path God will have you go, it gives you specific direction. You're not just doing it as many, many, many more because it's because you have direct instructions. You have God telling you what to do. And that's what fasting does. It gives us an edge, like you're picking things up. And that's why, like, talking about all of this um, coronavirus situation, there are people that business ideas they've had in the past that didn't make sense then. Zoom has been in operation before coronavirus, but this just became a breakthrough point for them. And that's the thing God wants us to do. He wants us to spend time in his presence so that he's, God knew that coronavirus is going to come in 2020. Abby, did you say, wow, wow, coronavirus? Oh, Angel Michael, what happened? Did you miss something? That's no words. God knew all of this will come. So if we are connected to God, he's going to reveal. He said nothing that God does that he does not reveal to his prophet. He might not tell you clearly that, oh, coronavirus is coming up, but he would have given us hints. He'll tell you, okay, prepare your house, do certain things. Yeah, certain instructions God would have given you. He might not have up at the time he's giving you. And I think too, I said, fasting prepares us for the new or next level. Some of us, we are where we are now. That's where we're supposed to be. But you, you can't be at the same level forever. So it's fasting to, 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 to move to that next level God is calling you to. You need to separate yourself to hear what God will have you do in that next level. We are, we are changed from one level of glory to another. That's the life God has called us to. It's not a life of stagnancy. We are called to move from one level of glory to another. So what it is that you're, you're aspiring to become for the next level and you don't know yet. The only way to find out is to spend time in God's presence for that new level or for that next level. And the story I'll read to us, I'm not even going to read it. It's the story of Jesus Christ. It's, in, it's found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Before Jesus Christ began his ministry, before he turned water into wine, before he called any of the apostles, the only spirit led him into the wilderness and he fasted what? For 40 days and nights. <laughs> that's why, that's Jesus Christ, the son of God. He is God. He's not just an apostle Peter or apostle Paul. This is Jesus Christ. Before he started his ministry, his earthly ministry at all, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to spend a whole chunk of time, a month, over a month in the wilderness to pray. Wilderness, some of us might not be able to go into the wilderness, might not be able to go to a secular place to be with God. But we must find that wilderness, that quiet place where we can quiet our spirit to hear God. Like I said, if, if, if we fast on the day we are busy, on the day we are distracted with other things, we can't get the benefit of fasting. So what is your own wilderness experience? Is it that, okay, I'm going to be in my house the whole of today or from three when I drop my children at school from they're in school for maybe you're picking a day that the children are in school. So okay, from 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. I'm going to just read my Bible, worship God and just do this and focus my attention. Fasting does not have to be a whole day or a whole month. So is whatever time you have set aside to connect with God, make sure you're connecting with God. That's the most important thing. So that's Jesus Christ. He, he went, I read um, Matthew again, Matthew chapter 14, I mean chapter 9 from verse 14 to 17. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 to 17. It says, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, 
Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the old cloth, leaving an even bigger chair than before. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. For the old skins burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. And that's the story. The next level God is taking you, you can't use the experiences of the past for them. You can't use revelation of the past of where God, or else you become a casualty in your future. If you want to experience the fullness of what God is, is going to do in that next level, you have to spend, take that. It's not, you can't, you can't, it doesn't, new level does not happen by accident. It's because it happens because we have taken time away from other things to focus our attention on God. That's why God will reveal us. So if we don't want to be ripped off from, if you don't want to be, be, if you don't want to miss the things God would do for us in that new level, we have to take that time to focus on, and that's why he's saying, he's talking about the wine. This is not about the wine. It's about the ideas you have. You watch your understanding of God. If your understanding of God is still, is still the things he has done for you, that's where we start, that's where we build the foundation for, but we are not going to use that same experiences to the next level God is taking us to. We're not going to do it. It's just like when you have a newborn baby. They are feeding on milk. They are feeding on formula. You're not going to give a six-month-old baby. You're not going to give them pounded yam. The same thing, like, if you're going to move to that next level, you have to mature yourself to be able to handle all the things God will have you do in that next level. And that's one thing fasting helps us to do. And another thing, too, I said fasting benefits or why we fast is it, bring, it helps us to bring the manifestation of certain words. I know in one of the articles I wrote, because some of us, we have words we are holding on to. The Bible says we fight the good fight of faith. And that's what fasting helps us to do. They are not, you don't just claim, claim, like I, I claim it. You, you don't just claim God by claim prophecies by, by just saying, you fight prophecies into manifestation. And that's one thing um, fasting helps us to do. I'll read the story of um, Daniel. I'll read Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 to 3. Remember that story that after Daniel, I had to, to pray. It says, I'll read from verse 2. It says, during the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord has revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must be desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. In prayer and fasting, this is what we've been talking about. So prayer does not happen. I mean, fasting does not happen in isolation. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore a bull up and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. So those are the same thing. So he understood that God has said after 70 years, these people are going to come out of, out of, um, out of this thing they were in. But because he understood and he had to pray this thing into we have to pray it into existence. And that's the things we have to do. Like I said, when I started, all the dealings of God with you, you have to have a record of them. So the same thing, if you have a record of the things God has promised you, when you go back and look at them and they haven't come to manifestation, this is time for you to fight for them. Fight for those things. 
fight for them, call them into existence, fight for those things. But you have to have, because sometimes God says something to us, we don't, if you don't write them down, it's, it's almost like you can't remember maybe 10 or, or even a month from now, you might not remember the details. You might remember that God says, oh, I'm going to increase you. But what are the t- details, the exact details of what God said? I remember, I think it was Keith's mother, I said, um, there was a time that God woke him up in the middle of the night and said so many things to him, like instruction and gave him those instructions. Then after God had spoken, not just like spoken for a long period of time, like, wow, thank you, Lord. Then he was going to go back to sleep. And God told him that, are you going to sleep? Like, yes, like, that means what I've said to you are not important. If they have, why are you not writing them down? That you think you are so smart that you remember everything. That it didn't even occur to him because he was sleeping. He was like, okay, let me just go back to this. And he said, by the time he woke up, he wrote them down. So he was trying to remember that, oh, told his like, ah, the Lord spoke to me. So he was trying to, he couldn't even remember the details. Just how many hours in time. So imagine if you now have to recall those things two months down the line or two weeks or two years down the line. You won't remember. So if God says certain things to you, please have them, write them down. Make sure you're writing them down. You can't, you can't be too smart to say you remember. So write them down. And when things are not going as planned, you can call God to remembrance. That's why it says, command ye me by the works of my hands. You can call God to remembrance. That Lord, this is what you said. And that's one thing Daniel did. So to bring the word of God into manifestation. The story of the prophet, as we read, of Anna. So what she, what she was praying to for was the, the manifestation of the Messiah. And that's what she focused on, praying, worshiping through prayer and fasting. That's what she focused on, that word. And that's what she prayed it until she saw that, that until she saw the son, I mean, she saw Jesus Christ. Another thing I said, I said, fasting stretches us. It helps us to increase our capacity. There are certain things, it's just like, if you want to grow in your career, there are certain heights you want to get to in career-wise that your, your first degree can't do it. There are certain things you want. You might have to do a professional exam. You have to do a certification. Some you might even have to do master's degree or PhD. It's just you want to become the president of a university. Your first degree is not going to cut. You can't even, I don't think you can lecture in a university with a first degree. The same thing with God. If where God is taking you to, there are certain things that... Just doing morning devotion cannot cut it. Just reading the Bible in the morning or just going to church and make sure you don't miss weekly, you're active in all small groups, can't cut it. So fasting helps you to separate yourself. It stretches you. And these are things that you're not just doing corporate fasting because my church calls for fast. These are things that you are doing individual fasting that you're calling for yourself. So it stretches your capacity for the next level. Where God is taking you, if you're serious with God, you have to set yourself house. I mean, separate yourself. Separate yourself to, to increase your capacity for that. And I think I said, yes, it's a fasting communicates to God that we are dependent on him. <laughs> the fact that you're fasting, doing the fasting, right? Not that you're just missing food or not on social media. It communicates to God that you are my help. That's why it says that, Lord, you are my help. Earnestly, I will seek you. That's what fasting is doing. I'm dependent on you, Lord. That's what fasting does. That. My eyes is, I, I will look nowhere else, but I will look to the hill where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who holds what heaven and earth, the maker of heaven and earth. That's what, what you're doing with the fasting. 
You're not fasting because you're trying to build spiritual muscles. You're fasting because you're trying to get something transferred to you from someone above. You're trying to get something impacted into your life. And that's why it says you're communicating to God that, Lord, I depend on you. I depend on you. I rely on you. But I'll just read um, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. I think I'm going to read it. This man. <laughs> oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's it. That's what the fasting is just saying, that Lord, you are our help. Our eyes are on you. That's what fasting does. And the last one is this fasting helps us to restore broken or lost relationship with God. Like the story of Nehemiah we read. Like I told you how the story started. They are going back to Israel to rebuild the temple. That's where they connect. You can remember the story of the woman at the well when she was talking to Jesus Christ. She said, our forefather said that you guys, you worship on a mountain that is in Jerusalem. But you guys, we are supposed to worship. You're talking about mountains. And that's where Jerusalem is. Almost like if you haven't gone there to pray, you have not connected with God in those days. Thank God for, for, for the life we have now that we can connect with God anyway. And that's why these people, they have to, they've been taken as, um, they've been taken as prisoners to another land. So for them to go back to, to rebuild the falling wall is like reconnecting and rebuilding that lost relationship. And that's what, what fasting helps us to do. And that's why they had to fast in the process of those things. That's why they had to do everything they have to do so that they are really connected. And it might feel like they are building physical war, but in reality, they are building a connection back to God. They are building something in their spirit. And that's what fasting helps us to do, help us to connect back to God. Another thing I have here is sometimes how, you'll be like, okay, how do I know, like, which interval do I use to pray? Like, do I pray every hour? Do I pray every, maybe 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock? Um, six o'clock throughout the how do I know when to when to to pray to connect to God through, um, during my fasting period if you're fasting from food the best way to know when to connect or when to pray is when your stomach starts rumbling that's a good time to say what to God if you're fasting from social media when you feel like picking up your phone to to check your status or to check your that's a good time to it's a good time for you to pray, to focus your attention. Whatever it is you're fasting from, when you feel like doing that thing, the best thing, like I said, the replacement activity you want to do is to focus your, on God. Maybe to go have a time of worship. Maybe to just read the Bible. Maybe to like make sure you're doing something that connects you back to God. So it says one significant, one significant part of fasting is the time it creates for you to pray and meditate on God's word. Like, it's, like we read in Nehemiah, they, they didn't just read um, the word of God for five minutes. Or they said they, they spent three hours reading the word of God. They spent another three hours worshiping, the, worshiping God. And that's like we are using the chunk of the time we have to focus on God, to do, meditate on the word, pray, sing, worship God, dance before him. It doesn't have to be things that sound spiritual. It might just be to just be in his presence. Lord, I'm just here for you. 
you have something to say to me. I don't even have a prayer request I want to offer to you. Lord, do you have anything? I, I'm just here to be with you. I'm just here to just enjoy your company. It might be as simple as that. It might not be that, oh, you have a list of things you want God to do for you, or you have a list of problems. It might not be, it might just be that, Lord, I just, want, I just want to just be in your presence. I just want you to hold me to know that I'm yours. Like I'm yours to command. So those are the things that we want to do with, with our fasted life, not just abstaining from food for the sake of abstaining from food. And I found this um, very interesting quote by John Piper. He says, the absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. I don't know if we get that. He says, the absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. That means when you're not fasting, you're okay with not having Christ in you. Then he says, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because we have drawn deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. So you have eaten so much junk that you don't have space to be filled with God. That's what it means. When we don't have the desire to want to be in God's presence, when we don't have that, that thing to say, Lord, empty me and fill me afresh. Lord, empty me and put a new spirit in me. It says because you have nibbled so much at junk, you have spent five hours at social media, you have spent 30 minutes on Instagram, another 30 minutes on WhatsApp, another 30 minutes on Facebook, that you don't have time to say, Lord, I'm yours to command. Lord, I just want to lavish my love on you. That's what it means. That We have spent our time on doing things that are irrelevant, that we don't have time to enjoy God. We don't have time to just bask in his glory. We don't just have time to, to enjoy who he is. It's not every time that we are in God's presence that we want to pray. There are days that you're just in God's presence that all you just want to do is, Lord, I've just come to lavish my love on you, to just tell you that I love you. To just tell, there are days that you are there that you don't have words to express how you feel. You don't have to say anything. There's nothing that says that we have to, to pray by saying things. You just want to enjoy the presence of God. And that's what it says. And the last part of the course says, our soul is topped with small things and there's no room for the great. No, that's not what we are looking for. We are looking for the manifestation of God's glory. God turns ordinary people into extraordinary beings. God did not come down to part the Red Sea. It wasn't God that parted the Red Sea. It wasn't the one that parted the Jordan. It wasn't angels that started shaking the walls of Jericho. He gave instruction to people and God started moving in the background. When Gideon was going to fight, he told him that I don't need too many people to do these things. I need just 300 men to defeat this host of armies coming against you. And that's what God wants to do. He needs just lead to effort from your past. But he wants you to depend on him. He just wants, he wants to echo, he wants to amplify our efforts. But we get to that place by spending time in the presence of enjoying his presence and let his glory. Remember when Moses came down from the mountain, he says the people could not look at him because of the glory that was manifested on him. He had to cover his face. And that's what happens when we are in the presence of God. This one, it happens physically. People see the glory of God and it happens in other areas. People see things start working for you. People see things start moving for you and they are wondering, what are you doing? Who do you know? Who are you connected to? Or you are connected to the source of life. You are connected to the giver of all things. And that is our source. That is our advantage as believers. That is who we have. That is who we have. That is our advantage. Until we come to that place of understanding, we are going to struggle. That's why you feel like, oh, you have to move in the career that is raining, or you have to do everything everybody is doing. 
But when you have, when you understand your place, that your place is secure, nobody's going to do your career if you're connected to God. Nobody's going to be employed in the place God has prepared for you. When you are connected to God, nobody's going to influence people that God has said you're going to influence when you're connected to God. And that's what we are aspiring for, to fulfill our place, that place of fulfillment that what we are doing is a thing of joy because it brings pleasure to God. What we are doing brings delight to God. And we can only get to that place by separating ourselves, that we are not nimbling at what the world is offering us. We are not eating at the table of the enemy. We are not getting filled with, with trash in the name of you want to be current. You, you do not need to be on social media to survive. You do not be, need to be on social. People will tell you that, oh, you get connection. God can connect you divinely without you being on social media. There are things that if God wants you there, you are there for a purpose, but you have to, the first person you are accountable to, to be connected with is the social media of heaven. When you are connected to that, every other thing is secondary. And that's where our attention needs to be. I'll not finish the rest of this message. I'll just leave it there so we can have time to pray. I hope with these few points of mine. Are you copying me? Yeah, I have to. <laughs> I've been able to convince Okay. convince you. And you see, also... That's why you should not copy someone because now you're saying it upside down. Okay, so I have a question. I have a question. So sometimes when I fast, I don't break at 6 o'clock in the morning. Like I break before 6 Am I an Thank you for listening to Insights for Believers today. For more information or to send us questions, testimony, and feedback, please visit us at www.insightsforbelievers.org. Be blessed today, and we'll see you again soon.